Hey, welcome. hello, welcome, Sarah. Just wait. Hi, Mike. We're just waiting for Jerry. Okay. There he is. Hey, welcome, Jerry. Hey, good to hear from you again, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for the little uh, delaying intro, guys. So welcome welcome to the Sheepdog Ops podcast, guys. Will Pearson, the owner of Battle Rattle. This is our, uh, let's see here, one, two, three, four. This is going to be our fifth episode. And Mr. Jerry, go ahead and introduce our next guest. All right, guys. Uh, I'm Jerry Schuber. As you guys have heard my voice the last few for, few times, um, uh, I'm kind of super excited because I'm the, obviously I'm the creator of... Uh, Sheepdog Ops, and we're working alongside Battle Rattle here to bring you this content. And today we actually have, uh, and I didn't go over this with you, Sarah, but do you have a title that you be called by? Um, not, I mean, in the army, I go by Sergeant First Class Haas. Oh well, we can go with that. I'm probably well, just going to call you Sarah. Uh, but... Call me Sarah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I had the opportunity to sit down and talk to you a couple days ago, and we kind of got to know each other. And I, I tell you what, I was super motivated when we got done with our conversation to the to the point where I actually was rearranging my schedule because I sat down and I, I went back a couple steps and reorganized myself. So I, I'm super excited about this talk tonight. Um, so I want to give you the opportunity, Sarah, uh, opportunity, Sarah to introduce yourself, kind of give a little bit about your background, where you've been, what you've done. And uh, it, it, the floor is yours. Okay. Well, hello, everybody. I'm Sarah. Um, I am in the Army. I've been in the Army for about 15 and a half years with two deployments to Afghanistan and one deployment to Cuba. I'm currently mobilized to Texas with a training battalion, and we are training deploying units. Um, I'm specifically on the range team, so we make sure that soldiers are proficient in their weapons. Uh, qualifications. Prior to that, I was a deputy sheriff in Pennsylvania for eight years before moving to California. Uh, I've been there for about three and a half years. I'm currently in the protective uh, executive protection industry, so I guard wealthy executives and their families. Um, still a way to protect and serve, but just a lot less political crap to deal with, a lot less report writing. So um, kind of where I stand right now, um, I, I do have my bachelor's degree in criminal justice. I think we all know by now for anybody who's spent a minute in, in criminal justice field that you don't really need your degree to go anywhere, but <laughs> such is life. So um, I mean, I've got a multitude of experience. Um, some of my, my greater passions in life is, is fitness and motivating people. I don't know that I would call myself a life coach like I see so many others out there, but, um, you know, I certainly don't get paid for any of the things that I do or say for, you know, to people, but I do enjoy being someone that people can look up to and be inspired and motivated by. So kind of where I'm at in life. 
And that was one of the cool things that when we were talking about the other day is you, you don't, nothing that you're saying was gold or, or was the law or anything. This is just uh, a lot of it was, Hey, this is how I can see you fixing things or making things better. Um, from my personal experience and things like that. So that was, it was really cool. And then also seeing that you kind of hit this twofer on our, on our uh, spectrum of guests where you're not only law enforcement, but you are military and having that background in both sides of it, seeing um, the, the civilian side of it, also seeing the military side and that, that there's obviously a huge gap between the two of them. Um, what, what would you say is your uh, view of that? Uh, as far as responsibility and things like that go? Um, as far as like the difference in gap, well, I guess I would say, I mean, it's so crazy because both are, you know, law enforcement and military, they're obviously military related fields um, or paramilitary fields, I guess you could say. Uh, there's a certain level of discipline you have, obviously have to have in both fields, but they're very different. Um, it's so crazy and, and all, you know, in any kind of law enforcement job, there's a lot more politics, especially nowadays. Anybody who's spent more than 10 years in law enforcement, I think could rightfully say that there's been a huge shift um, mm -hmm. in, in how we conduct ourselves and whether or not agencies are willing to back us up, if politics involved, whatever your personal opinion is, if you know of your own personal agency, um, huge shift from even when I, I mean, I'm 30, I'll be 33 in three weeks. So, you know, I started in law enforcement at 21. So even, you know, in those short amount of years, it changed drastically. And, you know, I have a lot of friends who have been in for 20 years and they say it's nothing compared to what it used to be. Um, if you look at the military, the same, the same thing though, you know, it's, it's a certain level of discipline. You know, the military isn't for everyone, but it also offers a really good life for a lot of people. You know, I've met people from all walks of life that have come into the military, you know, from nothing. And now they have something and, you know, they have amazing lives for themselves. I've met other people who got in, did their three or four years, and that was enough for them because they didn't like the authority. They didn't like being told what to do, when to do it. So, um, you know, both fields are very disciplined. Um I would say in the military, uh, it's not quite as political, although, it, it, you know, again, there, there is a, a shift um, in the atmosphere for the military as well, but it isn't quite as political as I would, I think it is personally in law enforcement. Uh, definitely not as severe. Um, I, I know when I got in, uh, this, I, it's not that long ago, but in 2008, 2009, when I got in, it changed in the, in the first year and a half, and that was when they started doing all those kickouts and those forced retirements and things like that. So I, I witnessed a lot of that stuff happen. I think that was part of the reason why I was okay getting out after my first term and then kind of just working alongside of them. So, yeah, it's, I, uh, it's, um, <laughs> they kind of go through that every, if you see every major war that we've ever experienced in our lifetime, we go through a huge need for um, NCOs because what happens is, you know, Units deploy no matter what your military branch, units deploy. So therefore, the better soldiers deploy, and that leaves the soldiers behind that either are so brand new that they just weren't around for the opportunity to deploy, or soldiers that are, if you will, for lack of better terms, broken <laughs> soldiers or not the best choice of soldiers that you want deploying overseas. So 
you know, there, there's a need for people to promote them. And then, you know, on the, on the back end of that, the people that are staying home that are being promoted, obviously they're usually not your best choice because e, they are either so new that they've had no training on how to be a leader or they're soldiers that have no, no place to be a leader because they don't care enough. They're just there to collect some money and that's it. Um, And then on the front end of it, you know, you have leaders that, you know, especially early on in the war, leaders were, unfortunately, we were losing a lot of people, um, you know, whether it be death or severe injuries, we were losing a lot of good leaders. So then they had battlefield promotions where they had the need for, you know, NCOs on the front lines. So then, again, they were promoting people that at that point may have had the tactical experience but had no actual experience of being a leader. So you have this never-ending circle of uh, toxic leadership and people being put into positions of leadership that really don't belong there. Um, and, and then setting that whole aspect aside, it's just you see it in every major war where um, then they're like, okay, well, we're losing so many people um, we need to, to ease up on our standards. So then they ease up on the standards and people can almost get away with murder, basically, uh, again, for lack of better terms. But then they, you know, a couple years down the road, they realize that that was a big mistake. So they start being strict and tightening up the standards again. And, well, we're going to kick you out for being overweight. We're going to kick you out for failing PT. Well, you know, whatever it is that you do, um, they start being strict again, and they start tightening up the reins. And a couple years of that goes by, and then there's usually some major shift or major war or something, and they say, oh, well, we need bodies again. We're hurting. So they loosen the standards again. So it's just an ever, you know, it's, an, never it's a never-ending circle, unfortunately. On ever actually being properly trained or taught how to do anything. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, could, I could attest to that because that's kind of the era that, I came into the military when that was happening. They promoted a bunch of people just because they didn't have the, the slots available, but they weren't really that trained. And I think we're coming out of that era right now. A lot of, a lot of us got into the military and, and, and deployed a few times. They lost a bunch of NCOs. I'm not sure if there is a ton of them in there. And for all those people out there that are listening, that's, it's just a non-commissioned officer. It's, it's a spot where it's, they, they call it the backbone of, you know the working the working class of the military as, as it's known that really run the army but but that's a great perspective on on some of the military culture and it seems like what's interesting here i mean uh is that's a good perspective on military culture and that could even probably be looked at in multiple generations like vietnam war and like coming through here but well on- that's what's funny is you, you're talking about this because i know you guys are both army and I'm obviously, I'm Air Force, and I watched the same thing. We had all our, our late, our, our um, higher ranks, you know, those E7 through E8 kind of ranks get booted, E8, E9s get booted for force retirements. And then all these fast pro- prom- promotions to E6 and E7, all these kids who didn't know what they were doing. And they were just bad leadership. They didn't take care of their troops and things like that. That was a lot of the stuff that I was dealing with when I was in. So I think it... Yeah, I mean... It'll always get better. What's what's some of the civilian side uh, of the? I was interested when you said that because on our last podcast, Jerry, remember he came on and said like he was comparing his grandfather to his new generation. But 
in your eyes, that's a good military perspective, Sarah, but on the civilian side of law enforcement, what would you say is like the most um, culture shift? Or when you said politics, did you mean just because like if you're a law enforcement officer, you're under so much more regulation than prior generations? Or what did you really mean? Oh, yeah, politics? undoubtedly. So there's, there's a huge shift. Um, I think that we, it goes without saying um, any rational person would be able to say that there's a huge war on police right now, no matter what side of the fence you're on. If you think that, you know, police are being too brutal I agree or whatever the case is, nobody can deny that there's a war on police right now. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'll be the first one to say that there are bad police officers out there, just like anybody in this world, there are, but not every single officer that goes out there every day is a bad officer. You know, nobody sets out um, on a mission every day that they put their badge on to go out and say, well, I'm going to shoot somebody or I'm going to send somebody to jail. That's my goal. You know, no, the, the goal when you put that, you know, when you put your vest on every day, your, your job is to want to protect people and to keep your community safer. Um, unfortunately, you know, there have been some bad shootings or some bad incidents that have been blown up in the media. And as a result, people have a knee-jerk reaction that they just think that all police officers are bad and they're all dirty and shady. And um, it's led to, just like the military, you know, all these departments want to prove to the world that they care about preventing uh, officers from overexerting their authority. So they put these very stringent policies in place that almost tie an officer's hands from really wanting, wanting to react or even being able to react in incidents. Um, and if they do, then, you know, they, they scrutinize them so bad, um, hang them out to dry. It almost feels like you have no one on your side except for your, your actual coworkers. So it's just a huge shift in politics, and it's almost not – I don't want to say that it's not worth it because for the people that go out there every day, you know, I haven't been actively involved in law enforcement for three years now, but for the people that go out there every day, you know, I applaud them. You know, it's hard, it's hard to wake up every day and be excited to go to a job where you know you're hated. People are probably going to spit on you. They're going to yell at you. They're going to curse at you. It takes a special person to be able to deal with that day in and day out and not have a bitter mindset. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I love that. You know, just, just that shift in general where, uh, you well, know. And I, I got a question as far as uh, just because you have this experience and I want to pick your brain a little bit. Um, now, because you were saying that there are bad cops out there. Um, and there are bad shootings out there. And I, I can agree and attest to both of them. I do a lot of research to kind of see a lot of it before you just jump on the, the news article or the media. Um, are majority of those bad shootings, in your opinion, something that's actually being uh, where the officer actually gets in trouble? Um, for those those actual bad ones, not for the for ones the bad, that are. Yeah, not, undoubtedly for the bad ones. Yes. You know, if, if it's. If there is an investigation, and again, I'm not saying there aren't counties or communities out there that wouldn't cover for officers who engage in, you know, uh, conduct that is unbecoming of them or the department, I'm not saying that at all. However, my, my opinion is that a majority of truly bad shootings, 100%, they are going to be held accountable. A department, whoever does that department's internal investigation is going to find them guilty it's going to release all of the evidence to prove that, yes, they were wrong. And um, 
you know, and the account- accountability will be there. Um, which is, which is like anyone else. And I, it, that's, that's kind of the, the big point that I have, at least in my opinion, is, is like anyone else who does something bad, they're going to make sure that they get in trouble for doing the wrong thing. Yeah, 100%. You know, and the reality of it is nobody knows how they're going to react. Like if, if you have never been in a situation where you're fighting for your life or somebody pulls a gun on you, you don't know how you're going to react. And as officers, you're, you're trained, you know, you're, you're supposed to be above and beyond, but at the same time, you're human too. And I've seen plenty of the training videos where they take the average citizen out and they test the theories on them for being able to respond to acts of violence. Um, you know, for example, the, the night, you know, between seven feet, usually most, most violent interactions occur within seven to 10 feet of you and that uh, subject. So if you put seven to 10 feet between you and a subject and that subject is holding a knife and they're going to come at you, one, they already have a heads up on you because they've already thought that process in their mind. You clearly don't, aren't a mind reader. You don't know what they're going to do, but they are, so they're already seconds ahead of you. So then if they come at you, you are barely able to draw your weapon and respond appropriately within that seven to 10 feet. They're going to get you at least, they might not stab you and kill you, but they're at least going to get you, they're going to make contact with you with that weapon. You know, studies have been proven. um, And again, there's been video footage of them taking regular citizens out and letting them experience it. And they're like, Oh wow. Like that's, like that's different like we, we just didn't realize of course you didn't realize because you're not an officer you don't do this every day it's easy for people to form an opinion about things that they don't really know about um i mean we, we all do it every day i'm just as guilty whether it's in law enforcement anything being you know gossipy catty talking about other people's lives you assume things just because you've heard things or see things but if you don't truly know and you haven't been there you know you you don't really know and then when you're put in that situation you have like this big aha moment where you're like, oh, wow, like now I now I have a little bit of empathy for the person on the other side. So. Well, and I love that because last week I was sitting in a simulator with a, a, an ex-officer or current officer. Jesse's kind of a he's got a huge background and um, he's got tons of training and experience and stuff. And that's kind of stuff I've talked with him about, which is kind of cool because they go off of the 21 foot rule, obviously, um, which is uh, uh I, I wouldn't say it's a pretty typical thing, but it was it's the training that they do. They have a guy with a knife. He's at 21 feet, and how quickly he can get up on you is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they and, can, a subject can cover so much ground in that 21 feet. It's crazy. Oh, yeah, and, and especially when they have a knife and things like that. It's, it's, it's insane, the speed of it. And we've thrown people into those scenarios just to give them that idea because I think you're right. Once, you, once you've lived it, it's totally different than being able to just say it, being that Monday morning quarterback and things like that. <laughs> now, um, my big thing, because obviously we need to kind of transfer back into it because I love, I would love to pick your brain for the next hour about this. But I know that there's some really cool stuff that uh, we talked about on uh, Tuesday, and I kind of want to try to change gears a little bit. In the midst of all this, how, does, how do you stay motivated to want to get up to go to work and want to do these things when you have this big shift in political and big shift in, in everything that's happening in both of your worlds that you've been in? 
Um, you know, for me, when I was still, you know, actively practicing law enforcement, um, it, you know, came down to small moments. And it's not every, you know, you don't do it for the glory. You don't do it for the pay. But there's certainly small moments in your career that end up being big moments where, you know, a child thanks you or someone comes up and asks you for a hug or, you know, you actually save someone's life. Um, it, it's moments like that that reach out to you and you're like, okay, you know, not every, just like I, I made the comment earlier, not everyone's made to be in the military. Same concept in law enforcement. It takes a special person to be in law enforcement. And, you know, when you have those small moments that just hit you, you know, you realize, okay, this is what I was made to do and this is why I'm here. I might not like it every day. It's not glorious. Um, and it's not easy, but this is what I was mean to do. So, you know, it, it, it could just be a small moment where you've helped save someone's life. You know, you've, you've actually talked to them, treated them like a person, and they can come up to you and thank you and say, hey, you know, because of you, um, I've, able to been, I've been clean now for five years, or I got custody of my kids back. I, I realized the error in my ways, and I cleaned up my life, and, and now I have a job. You know, small things like that. Uh, where people, you know, just you realize the impact that you might not have an impact on the whole world or even your entire community, but just small bits of your community um, can make all the difference in your mindset to be able to wake up and say, okay, there's a reason that I'm doing this. Yeah. So. Well, I really love Hey, real quick. Let me say something, Jerry, real quick. I, I love uh, some first class hospitals because I could just tell her, tell you guys right now, like, we we uh, we had mobilized together, and one of the things that she did, those little small things, that was probably a, a, a good moment in her career, probably because I realized it was she was she was moving up and she was respected. Was it was just it just boiled down to the physical fitness every day. I I was going on a mob where I was out of shape and overweight, and she was in charge of the platoon. She had I don't think she had been a platoon sergeant at that time. Correct me if I'm wrong, but no. she, she was given that spot. And I, I remember it like it was yesterday. We were running around in circles, and I and I said, you know what? F this. I'm not. I'll do this tonight on my own. I don't need this. Like I'm so sore from the day before, and she just did not care. She was just like, okay, guys. Well, since the last guy, Sergeant Pearson over here, is gonna be, be struggling, we're just gonna do two more laps. You know, one more lap. And I remember on that sixth lap, I was so upset. I just didn't even talk to her, I think, for the whole day, and I was talking behind her back. I was being that guy. But, <laughs> yeah, I was. True story, man. And then no, – It happens to the best of us. Yeah, and I was so frustrated. I was like, how does that woman stay motivated, and why is she smiling? Like, how does she even like it out here? You know, <laughs> it's just like this is crazy. It's crazy. It is crazy. You know, um, the reality of it really comes down to um, the the older I get, and I'm not old by any means, let's just – be real about that but the older I get the more I enjoy challenging my body and seeing what I'm actually capable of now believe it or not I push myself so much harder than I ever did in my early 20s and you would think it would be the other way around because in your early 20s you're supposed to have all that energy and be you know crazy and fit and I'm more fit now physically and mentally than I ever have been in my life um you know so that's just a small caveat but the, the real the real root of it is I knew I had, I was, I was put into a platoon sergeant position and I knew that I had soldiers, whether they wanted to admit it or not, whether they liked me or not, I knew I had soldiers looking to me 
looking to me for guidance, looking to me for motivation, looking to me for, for mentorship. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's my job as an NCO to, you know, the friendships you make along the way is always a benefit. But no matter what, I, I make no mistake about it. I did not join the Army to be popular. I didn't become an NCO to be popular. I did it because I saw something in myself to lead my country, to lead soldiers. And, you know, it, it's not my job to cater people. At the end of the day, can I can I say when I know that I need to take it a little bit easier on someone? Yes. But does that mean I'm going to baby you? No. And, and I think I told you that several times, Mike. I think I told you, look, I will be your biggest supporter, but I'll also equally challenge you. Yeah. So, you know, and, and that was my thing because most of us, most of us are ready, even myself included, most of us are ready to give up way before, you know, mentally, way before our bodies are ever ready to quit. And uh, once you learn to push yourself beyond that point, you can go so far. And, and that was what I was trying to instill on, you know, a lot of you guys, because a lot of you guys were out of shape. A lot of you guys were, you know, I'm, you know, there's, I'm rare. I just go, 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 even outside of the military. It's just my life. It's what I do. Yeah. You know, but I had to understand that a lot of you guys don't, don't conduct yourself that way. And that's fine. Like who does in, in real life? Like you've got school or kids or work. Um, so I knew that I needed to challenge you guys enough, but not like kill you, obviously. Um <laughs> You know, and I guess if I was making you hate me, but still here years later, you tell me that I left an impact on you. Obviously, I was That's, doing something right. Yeah, you did the right thing. And I agree. And I mean, I still look up to you, to be honest. You know, it's just you're a, you're a very strong person. And I realized that, you know, that was a pivotal moment in your career when you were learning all that. And I was happy for you. And I was trying to learn from your experience, too. So, you know, I just... You know, it, it did. I, I was like, man, you know, that's a that's a great, great person. And still, when I see you, you, you know, at drill and you're like today, you're in, in high level meetings. I'm like, man, that, that is that is someone who is going to stay the course and gets up every day, whether she likes it or not. And that's someone I would like to surround myself with. And that led ultimately to this podcast and, and, and wherever it'll lead in the future. And so I thank you for that. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's my favorite part. I'm I'm listening to this obviously because I'm I'm not going to be able to chime in. I wasn't there, didn't experience this. But what I can say, I experienced I experienced the same, I, I guess, relationship is w what I'd call it, uh, um, because I I had people like that in my life, and that was my first supervisor. Uh, no matter how many times I wanted to just give up and call it a day, she was there pushing me. So this is this is nostalgic for me. Just listening to you two, it's. <laughs> It's, yeah. it's crazy you bring up all those memories and all those those emotions, you know. Well, it's, it's um, what people need to hear, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. One thing, um, most people don't realize it at the time, but usually the people who push you the hardest are the people who actually see something in you. So, you know, yes, there's just like bad officers and bad people. There are people who should not be leaders who are just jerks. <laughs> You know, but um, a lot of the times, leaders who push you and challenge you, it's because they see something more in you that you're just not producing and you're selling yourself short. So, so you know, yeah. you might not like them at the time. I've had plenty of leaders like that throughout my career, and I'm sure I, I'll keep having a couple more, you know, because i got a couple more years in me. 
Um, you might not always like them at the time, but a couple years later, you, you know, it's just like an aha moment where you're like, wow, they really did actually teach me something or left an impact on my life. So. Oh, yeah. And those are the people you remember their names and the other ones we used to call them supervisors. But, hey, uh, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, now, now, my my big question here, because obviously we're talking about motivation and, and what drives you every day. What drives you for your fitness? Because uh, Mike's brought it up a couple of times. You brought it up to me when we were talking. And why, why do you choose to push yourself so far and so, uh, so hard sometimes? Um, you know, to be honest, it really comes down to just my own empowerment. When I was younger, it was about, you know, being competitive and, and make no mistake about it. I'm still a very competitive woman, but the older I'm getting, the less concerned I am about competing with everyone else around me. And the more concerned I am about competing with the woman staring back at me in the mirror. Um, you know, I, I feel empowered to be strong. You know, some, you, there's always the, the people out there, the haters, the trolls that want to say, well, you look like a man or, you know, why do you lift so much? What are you trying to prove? Um, you know, I mean, the jerk in me could say out loud, well, maybe if you did lift, you might look like a man. I, you know, I don't, ever take that, I don't ever take that route. But, you know, the reality of it is, you know, muscles aren't for everyone. On a, muscles on a woman aren't for everyone. That's cool. I'm not everyone's cup of tea. You know, I don't do it for anybody else but me. I enjoy feeling strong. I enjoy being able to hold my own, you know, for me being in, you know, whether I return to law enforcement or not, um, you know, and, and being in the military, I need my male peers to be able to trust in me and my abilities. Um, so that's one of my biggest things, is, you know, is I love empowering myself, but I also love instilling that trust um, and confidence in my peers to know, hey, she's pretty tough. She might not be the toughest or the best, but she's definitely going to hold her own. So, you know, I, I guess that's one of my biggest things is that I just, I train hard every day because it's, it's uh, you just never know. Like, it sounds very dramatic and very cliche, but, you know, there's somebody always bigger, better, badder than you that's out there waiting in the shadows to just show you up. And, you know, if you train now, you train hard, is it a guarantee that you're going to win? Whatever it is, no, it's not a guarantee. But at least if you go into a battle with somebody, for lack of, better terms if you go into a battle with somebody whether it's in your career your finances fitness sports whatever it is at least you know you tried as hard as you could you put in every bit of dedication and ounce of effort possible to get to that level somebody has to win and it's not always going to be you and you have to be humble enough to accept that and know hey you know what if I'm going to do this again I'm going to have to work harder next time um, or I'm going to accept this as what it is. So for me, my motivation really comes from, A, wanting to be my own best version of myself, but also wanting to make sure that I have the confidence and trust in my peers around me. That's, I mean, you, you, this, this whole thing, Mike, I'm telling you right now, is I'm just going to go back to, to listening to, to Ryan, and then I'm going to listen to Sarah, and then I'm going to listen to Ryan, and then I'm going to listen to Sarah. <laughs> because these two... <sighs> The motivation that comes from these, these, you two, uh, and I, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to our, our episode with Ryan, but he's getting ready to do a, uh, um, an Ironman right now. So just That's listening awesome. to you makes me want to go work out 
and I, I, I'm not a big fan of running, but between the two of you right now, I'm going to have to start running just to feel better about myself. Oh, uh, well, good. I mean, that's always a good thing. I have, you know, I have people that reach out to me. I've had sorters that have been telling me since 2011 that they thought I should be a personal trainer. And I've just never made that leap of faith because that's a huge transition from law enforcement to personal training. Um, and by no means, even now, I'm not certified or trained in anything. I just know what has worked for me over the years, and I know what's kept me motivated. So 100%, if people come to me for help, I will give them every little bit of advice I can to say, hey, you know, this is what worked for me. Ultimately, you need to find what works for you, but it really comes down to your own heart and your own dedication. And, you know, uh, like we discussed the other day, even I struggle. You know, I don't want to work out every day that I wake up. I don't, you know, there's days that even if I set the fitness aside, there's days I don't want to do my best at work because sometimes I get tired of being the one that's depended on. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, I can't ever lower my standards like that. Uh, I think we discussed the other day that there are times where I have to take a a brief pause in time. Um, If that means taking a day off from the gym or yes, maybe half-assing some things at work. Um, I just take a brief pause, take a knee, you know, in military terms, if people can better understand that I take a a knee briefly, reset my azimuth, reset my goals. And then I, you know, get back up at it and, and keep grinding away. Um, everybody has moments like that. And, you know, at the beginning of all of this, I said most people don't see um, the behind-the-scenes dirty work. They just see the highlight reels. And I'm usually a very transparent person. I'll, I'll tell people all the time, you know, I, I have days where mentally I am down. You know, uh, there's days that I'm just frustrated or not confident in myself, um, days that I'm bitter and just being grouchy. You know, we, we all experience that where we have to take that time to take a, a couple of minutes for ourselves, whether it be, you know, and, and every, you know, I can, I can relate mostly to like physical fitness because that's like my huge passion in the past five years of my life. So even the best athletes in the world, they don't grind seven days a week for eight hours a day. Even the best athletes in the world take, take rest days because it's necessary. It's necessary for your mental fitness. It's necessary for your muscle recovery. Um, You know, so no matter what it is in your life that you're doing, if you're working towards a career goal, a financial goal, you know, everybody needs a break and that moment to kind of reset their mental clarity and their focus and make small adjustments here or there. And then they get back on track and they keep grinding away. Um, You know, for me, I might not take, a day off from the gym, but there'll be, uh, I work out six days a week and then I usually do a day of like stretching or Mm -hmm. yoga, you know what I mean? Stretching or yoga, something that's kind of meditative where it's good for my mind, good for my soul. And then slow things down a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I love to work out. I love to motivate people. Fitness is my passion. I think that was my favorite thing about the talk Uh, on on Tuesday. We we because I had a great talk. I know it was only like like ten minutes that we were actually talking to each other, and uh, it may not have seemed like it was a whole lot, but for me, it impacted me a lot. And I know you you kind of hit on a few things that I'd like to just if we could back up just a touch. Um, I love I love this concept of of 
the Instagram or the Facebook uh, warriors and, and workout people and how they don't show you the struggle it got to get where they're at. And I think right before that was like one of the key things you said, as soon as we jumped in to our little sound check before we were, before we started this is because that was my joke was, Hey, you get to see the unfiltered raw side, but just so you know, we make sure that all of that's in here so that all of everyone who is listening and anyone who is is part of this this growth that we're starting with um, understands that we're not trying to hide anything. Because I think uh, if you hide it from the people who are listening to you, you hide the, the progression to get to where you want to go. It, you you kind of cheat not only them, but yourself, because that was a lot of work. And I, yeah. I, and yeah, I'd agree with that completely. I think more people and even the email that we're going to send out after this has a whole video of me even touching on this. It says, like, you don't really learn from all those flashy highlights, but it's everything other than that that all the learning takes place. So, and yeah. then, no, I, Go I, ahead. I'm interested in, like, from a business perspective, like, I'm always working, right? I may not, you know, but when you're talking about this bullet point that says when, when you know, when you know you're going at it, so this could be in the gym or it could be running a business or it could be running the sheep, sheep dog ops podcast, but say you're just going, going, going. Now, even I struggle with this. When do you know how to, when to take a knee and when, when to reevaluate and maybe what is a too long of a reevaluate so you don't get stuck in that too much thinking and get, not getting anything done. So how do you do that? Like maybe you can relate it to fitness where how do you reevaluate? How long do you take? What kind of adjustments do you make? Like maybe an example. And even that would help um, too. Cause it, I, I, I love this question because this was kind of uh, just piggybacking just shortly that you, uh, when we talk Sarah on Tuesday, it's, this goes towards everything. It's not just yeah. fitness. Your expertise is in fitness, so yeah. Like for like to be real with yeah, you, no. Whatever she, it, it, whatever she ends it up, it goes for everything, right. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say you know you kind of have to gauge yourself. That's what you have to learn. So um, one of the things, believe it or not, a lot of people don't know about me, but I've struggled mentally um, a lot over the years as far as my own confidence and my own self worth and my own self love. Um, a lot of people who think they know me find that crazy to believe because in my job in the law in uh, law enforcement and military I come off very confident um and that's because you know when you're a leader you, you can't show people that you're weak for a lack of better terms um but behind the scenes I've always struggled you know with my own confidence doubting in myself I would say the last year the, the past two years I've really focused on um mental clarity just as much as I have my physical fitness and the two have finally just combined to make this force that is so uh, overwhelming, as cliche and dramatic as that sounds. Um, it, it's amazing to be where I am. So it took me a long time. You know, I'm, I'm getting ready to be 33. It took me many years to gauge that point of my mental health to say, okay, this is my breaking point. This is where I know that I need to tell myself it's time to take a break and slow down. Um, I'm always a doer, and I'm always a person who I always have to be busy. Like, if I'm not busy, I feel out of sorts with my life. (laughs) So you have to learn what's too much on your plate, and that's what you kind of have to gauge individually. 
um, when you start to feel, I guess I would say when you start to feel that anxiety building up and you are no longer able to talk yourself down from that point of anxiety, then that's when I would say, okay, this is where you know now that's your gauging point of obviously whatever it is you're working on, financial goal, career goal, fitness goal, um, you feel that, that I guess, uh, steam rising, if you will, um, to make a good analogy. You feel that steam rising as far as your anxiety and your breaking point. Um, so before it just bursts all together, you say, okay, this is where I really started to notice the anxiety. Maybe this is where I need to start giving myself more breaks. So, you know, um, perfect example is Cuba for me. That was a tough deployment for me and not because of anything we went through per se, but I was originally a platoon sergeant or well, an assistant platoon sergeant. And I took on the role of a platoon sergeant and, um, I took on a lot of crap, like dealing with soldier issues. Uh, as a female, I wasn't very liked because I'm an alpha female. Um, so I was, you know, dealing with a lot of hate, uh, dealing with, I had to go to every meeting. I was dealing with very little sleep. Um, but every day I would, you know, I might cry inside of my room, but every day, as soon as I stepped outside that door, I just put on a brave face and, stood up tall and, and walked out like I had all this confidence in the world and nobody none, nobody knew none the wiser, you know. Um, but I started taking days for myself where I'm like, hey, not answering the phone. I'm telling first sergeant, only call me for an emergency. I'm going to go sit by the pool or I'm going to go sit in the sauna. I'm just going to listen to music, whatever it was that I had to do. And once a week, you know, that was when I, when I started realizing um, – that I was hitting that point where I was waking up bitter and waking up anxious. I was like, okay, I got to do something because I can't not, I can't break. I'm a leader. So, you know, I was like, okay, once a week, then once a week, I'm going to dedicate a block of time to myself, to my mental fitness. Um, just go and sit. Really, you just have to gauge yourself and gauge your life. Um, if you realize that you're, putting too much on your plate as far as your business, um, you just say, okay, it doesn't mean I have to throw all these ideas down the drain. I just need to prioritize right now what's more important, you know, and, and at the end of the day, it's hard, you know, when you're a businessman or woman, you are ultimately looking at what's going to make you money, but you can't always look for the quickest gimmick that's going to make you money like you know you see people burn themselves all the time going from one thing to the next thinking it's going to make them money um you just got to learn to prioritize and look at what is you know i i, I tell you what sarah i uh i i have to say that i <laughs> it's funny that you're saying this because i had a shop chief um when i was out in new mexico and he's uh going to be one of our guests hopefully here uh, in the next few weeks, but he used to do the same thing where um, we'd have commanders and flight chiefs and stuff like that who would get upset or who would get irritated and be bugging him all the time. And just one day we were out uh, doing x-ray on a bird and he's like, I'm coming. Y'all kicked off. I'm going. And when we got out there, I, I asked him, well, you never come out. You're always in the office. You're always taking calls. He's like, if there's one thing I tell you and there's one thing that's important is you need to make sure you take time for yourself, even even if it's within work, 
because when I'm out here, when I'm on the line, when I'm working on an aircraft, I'm no one's going to bug me. No one's going to bother me. Uh, I'm working. And I, I know it's, it's a little bit different just because you were taking that time outside to, to, to center on yourself, but it, it kind of just relates to everywhere in your life that, you know, sometimes you've got to take that time, even if it is doing work. Oh, yeah. It's just work and just kind of keep your mouth shut so that way you can do it and no one bugs you that way. And it, it's just, it's a crazy how these analogies or these parts of life kind of run together. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's, it is crazy because I, you know, as a platoon sergeant, you're, you know, you're, you do deal with your soldiers a lot less. And unfortunately, it's more of an admin position. And there were so mm-hmm. many times I just had to sit and deal with emails, you know, and, uh, and that was one of my things where I was like, okay, I'm shutting out the world. I'm going to sit my butt at this computer. And I was happy, like, I was happy and content to sit there and type crap up and read emails and respond as long as no one bugs me. So you're, you're exactly right. Um, sometimes that comes down to even being able to do your work where it's completely uninterrupted and not where you're being pulled in 5 million different directions. So, you know, it's good sometimes too, to set that, um, you know, going back to your original question, Mike, you know, even if you still want to be engaged in work because that's what keeps you happy, make sure you block out that time for yourself where it is just you. So you don't have any outside interference, no interruptions. You can focus solely on the job. You know, even if it's just a couple hours, you just focus solely on that. Nobody can bug you, have your music on, whatever, and just type away or whatever it is you do, you know. I I really like it. I I just want to share a quick story because I think I learned so much from it and from a not a fitness perspective but a business perspective and this is a true story so I call that time that you're talking about just right now actually my wife uh my girlfriend she called she tell she notices I go through that and she calls it zone out time like you're just not functioning you're zoned out but it's the way she says it is so funny but the way I would say is what what happened to me was this is while while I was running these uh well, I'm running this business and telling people that are helping me um, how to do things. Sometimes I'm having to tell them four to five to six to seven to eight and 10 times the same task that needs to be done. And after a while, what would happen is I'd lose it. I, I had gone beyond that capacity to keep it all in. And I mean, cuss words. Why the fuck can't you understand this? are you fucking retarded? Like bad, like telling people that work in this organization that not professional at all. And my dad pulled me aside one day and he said, you, you just can't do it no matter how. And a lot of things went into that. It's not just that I'm stupid in doing that. Like, you know, I, I'm, I, I work, I work a full-time job at the time. I had a newborn baby. Uh, sales were increasing, but not enough to quit the job. Um, and then, you know, I'm still, I'm still in the service. So you gotta, you gotta factor in drill, you gotta factor in the newborn, you gotta factor in this business, you gotta factor in the job. And then I signed up just, just cause it was so tough. I'm going to school too. So you throw on a full-time student and that's where I met Jerry. Okay. So all that, and then I'm telling a person to do something 10 times in a row, like do this. They didn't do it right. Do this. They, They didn't get it. So I'd lose it. Right. So that's the story. I'd lose it. But what I ended up learning from that 
and losing it actually benefited me in a number of ways because people always talk about it like this. Anytime you go and make a decision in your life or whatever you're going to do, do a cost to benefit analysis. You always hear people say that. Do the cost to benefit analysis. If the costs outweigh the benefits, don't do it. If the benefits outweigh the cost, do it, right? So simplistic. But what I would argue is the cost of me losing it in a business decision on a person, they, they were a valuable person and they left the organization. Now, I had that same experience another time, but it was a better decision. I, yeah, I was telling them to do it for the 10th time, but the benefit of me, basically, I, I just stepped away and I took a deeper thought of it. I ran through the scenario multiple times in different ways that the outcome would, would, would have. And I, I experienced it in as many ways in my mind or during my zone out time as I possibly could have, okay, what, how is that person going to react most likely? What would they do? What if they did this? What if they did that? And that perspective, that deeper thought, that development of my mind, not only the, the physical way I'd react, but the development of the mind and the new circuitry that it, put, that it starts to put of, it, it develops you is what I'm saying. So that same cost to benefit um, uh, taking the time to, 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 to think about things like that and to readjust, I think super helped me out. Uh, and that's just, that's just my, my, one of my experiences, but to be more engaged, I, I, I had to do that. I had to take the time. I had to think about the scenario. And then ultimately I did lose on that. When I lost it on that person, I lost them, but I learned so much from that on the next time that I did it, I took the other approach of the benefit approach and playing out the outcomes and taking the time. And, and it's worked for me since. And, and the key people have stuck around in the organization and, but that was like one of the most challenging things that I think I've faced so far because I literally lost it and I didn't know what to do. And, and people actually like, they were like, dang, man, you're crazy. I think you're losing it. You know, do you need some help? And I'm like, I'm okay. It was just like, this is what I had at the time. And so it's, that was really I, I find it funny listening to you right now, Mike, because when we, when I, when I got done talking to Sarah on Tuesday, um, I called you, I think at like two minutes after I was done talking to her and kind of just went through kind of what my idea for this week was. And you, you listened to me and you, you kind of, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You do that to me every week. We do. We set this stuff up. It's a lot of, I don't know. Are you sure? Are you okay with that? And now you're over here, you know, uh, it, it, extremely relating to the story and, and things like that. And that's, I love this, this, this whole setup. I love it. Yeah. I just I needed to put that two cents in there because this is real and this is there's background to it and I don't want anyone missing out on that. Yeah. I mean a lot of I, mean, the, I guess I could sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say a lot of the times I think Jerry I might be responding to you in a desperation of I'm short on time or I'm driving or something. So it's uh, yeah, but it makes me feel better to know that you're connecting to it when we're in the middle of it. We're actually doing something. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Sarah. I know you, you wanted to jump um, in there. I was just going to say that I, th I think we all go through, you know, lows in our life. And, um, you know, I mean, nobody wants to air their dirty laundry, of course, but everybody goes through low points in their life and everybody has to experience things. And everything we go through, you know, there's two ways it can go. It's either going to make you better or it's going to make you um, 
So you use those experiences, those choices, good choices, bad choices, whatever it is, you use it to help you continue to grow and you learn from it. And, uh, you know, by the sounds of it, Mike, you know, you went through an experience this year that, you know, caused you to have to readjust your focus and say, okay, this is, this is where I'm at. This is where I want to go. And this is what I need to do to get there. Um, they call that actually uh, smart goal planning and your smart goals need to be um, measurable. They need to be realistic. They need to be attainable um, and they need to be timely. So, uh, you know, nobody just sets this huge, anybody who sets huge goals at the beginning is usually going to fail because you don't start off with this huge, large, grandiose idea. You have to start out with small goals first. And they have to be, you know, small goals because those small goals ultimately lead to your larger goal in life. Um, and, yes, you're going to hit bumps and you're going to probably, you know, if you look at business people all the time, I, I've listened to, uh, I download, like, some of the, the music that I listen to when I work out is actually motivational speeches. And that's what keeps me going. I, I've listened to a couple by Arnold, uh, Sylvester Stallone, um, couple of different people in there, you know, and, and some of the most wealthiest people in the world didn't get told, didn't get, you know, uh, successful overnight. They weren't told yes on the first time that they went for something. Um, they weren't even told yes on the second or third time. It took a multiple attempts. So, you know, there's always going to be hurdles in the way. You just have to learn how to, um, how to work around it. You know, you, you, you readjust, you adapt, you overcome, and you say, okay, this is what, this is what we ran into last time. Now we're going to go about it this way and we're going to try again. And, you know, you stop at nothing to get to whatever your goal is. And eventually you say, okay, well, I've met this small goal. So now let's set the next goal. And then before you know it, you're like at your 10th goal and you're like, well, holy crap, here I am. I never thought I'd be at this point in my life. And, you know, just a year ago, everybody thought I was freaking out and losing it and, here I set these small baby step goals, and now I'm at my large goal. So, you know, every, everybody goes through tough times. Um, it's just how you learn to handle your situations and how you conduct yourself, and you choose to learn to grow from whatever it is that you experienced and went through. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. I, I, I would, you know, I just wrote down four things, what you just said, and this is this is – probably the things that will always lead a person to be successful and that is a stop at nothing b celebrate the small successes or wins those small micro goals like you had said i think you even taught me that sarah when we were deployed so that's so huge is reward yourself and celebrate those little things and then i loved what you said earlier in the podcast when you said I'm at a point in my life where I'm both mentally and physically equally strong. I'm like, wow, that's so powerful. So that would be my third bullet point. Let's go back to number one. Stop at nothing. Celebrate the small successes. My mental toughness equals my physical readiness or strongness. That's so powerful. And then the only thing I would say is I've learned recently, too, to even add more greatness to this podcast is I've, I've been tested with situations recently where – I had an opportunity to do the wrong thing, but I, I was like, I'm just going to take the harder route and I'm going to do the right thing. So I would say always do the right thing and you're going to be rewarded in ways that aren't really logical to the human brain. If you 
are in a tough situation, um, I'd give it, I'd give you a specific scenario, but it's really personal and I, I just don't want to share it right now. It's uh, but if you're tested, if you do the right thing, all the, if you have blocks one, two, and three, right. Uh, you know, that always doing the right thing. I don't think you can go wrong. You can't go wrong because no matter which scenario you, you played out, you're, you're physically strong. You're, you know how to celebrate. You stop at nothing. You're always going to continue. And then you always do the right thing. And they always tell you that too. Always do the right thing. Whenever, when nobody's looking, do the right thing. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. But I'm telling you, because once people find out that you do the right thing, they will tell others and it'll spread. And it's just, it's unbelievable. That's, that's my experience. Yeah. Hey yeah, guys, good. I, good point. I, I hate to be cutting you guys off because this could, I, I honestly, we could probably sit here for another hour, but we're getting to the end of our time. Yeah. Uh, the, our time block here. And, and I, and I hate to do it to you guys because I'm, I'm actually jotting notes down myself. Well, let's, I'm getting I was gonna say something. let her say something and then, and then close it out, Jerry. And then, and then we'll start doing outro stuff. So I apologize and I'm sorry, but uh, go ahead, Sarah. Let's uh, let's no, hear your final. No worries. Um, I'm definitely happy that you guys asked me to be on here. Um, again, I'm I'm certainly no expert. I'm not certified and trained in anything. I just know what's worked for me and what's helped me to keep a good balance in my life. Um, you know, I think too, Mike. One of the things that I've learned over the years is there's always going to be things that we want in life, but if we have everything we need, like we should be okay. Um, and it's still good to set goals for things that you want in life. But if you look at life through the eyes of you're so blessed with what you do have rather than what you don't have, life just honestly is so much better. Like you just, you just learn to be a little bit happier. And again, that doesn't mean that I don't want things or, you know, have goals in my life because I certainly do. But um, I've learned over the years to just, stop looking at oh I wish I had that or why don't I have that and instead I look at things that of oh man I you know I'm not the richest person in the world but I have money I have a roof over my head I have clothes on my back um you know so for me looking at things and more of the eyes of them as a blessing and being grateful for what I do have has just really changed my perspective on life and um, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm at a really good spot in life mentally and physically, finally, where before it was just all physical and not mental. Um, you know, if you learn to have that healthy balance between both a good, you know, physical fitness and good mental fitness, you know, life, life could be really, really good. doesn't matter who you are or what your goals are. Yeah, I love that. Uh, go ahead, Mike. I was just going to say I love that. Go ahead, Jerry. Go ahead. Um, uh, so we're getting towards the end of it, uh, Sarah, I, I've absolutely, uh, just loved everything that we've talked about and I would love to have you back on if you would be willing to come back on and share some more of your stories and life experience. Um, is there anything that we can plug for you? If not, that's okay. We just want to give you the opportunity since you're here. Yeah, tell them, tell them how to find you, Sarah, how to follow you on your fitness journey, on your greatness journey, and then, uh, anything you'd like to um, well, again, thank you guys so much for this opportunity. I'm super happy to do it. Um, I'm on IG under Sarah Lynn 0412, or you can find me on Facebook as Sarah Lynn Haas. Um, that's really the only two social media platforms I use. 
I don't have any special fitness pages or anything like that. That's just where I post a lot of my stuff. So the majority of what you'll see is fitness or dogs or food. Sometimes <laughs> I throw some pop. Sometimes I throw some politics in there. So uh, yeah, that's what you'll see on my social media if you're interested. Yeah, look look out for her on Facebook, guys. She's always posting great uh, ways to sh- change up the fitness, and she's in incredible shape. So make sure you follow her. Uh, Mike, I want to give you the chance. I know you're going to turn it down. Um, I'm, I was just gonna, real quick. We're going to send out an email if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast. If you got a great story, or if you just are you're funny, you're in the military, you got some crazy stories you want to look back on. Uh, Jerry and I, we'd love to have you on the podcast and. Uh, or if, uh, you know, anybody out there who's listening who, who can really make a difference in people's lives or help with somebody who might be struggling with something, we'd, we'd love to have you on. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, as I always do, we're, we're going to give Battle Rattle a huge shout out and a thank you for everything that they're doing to, to give us this platform for other people to talk on. Um, I know I'm extremely grateful for it. Make sure you go check out uh, the merch that's on their store. They've got all of our stuff going through their page. You can find this podcast on their page. Um, every show, social media platform you can find Battle Rattle or Sheepdog Ops on. Um, we're all out there. So just go search it and find it and give us that like and thumbs up on everything, and we'd greatly appreciate it. Um, if no one else has anything else, I'm going to close us out. I appreciate you guys. Thank you, Sarah. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. And one last time, thank you, Sarah. I appreciate it. And as we always say when we end these things, don't be the sheep in the fight. Be the dog. Absolutely. Thank you. Amen. Later. Later, guys. Appreciate it. Bye.